everybody. Hello, welcome back. Here we are, Fate's Wide Wheel. Uh, Finally in it, your ears after some technical difficulties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's going we on, been, Sam? What's we, good? We've been doing this for three and a half years, but every once in a while something just goes a little caca. So, just, yeah, what do you uh, do? <laughs> things might go a little caca. As always, we blame yeah. That's right. We blame Ziggy. Luckily, it's nothing that will affect our, our listeners, so, Hopefully you know. It's been a, been a couple weeks. How's it been? Yeah, it's yeah. been a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Took last week off. It's been, it's been good, though. You know, not, uh, not a whole lot to report here. Uh, I did get my first vaccination shot on Friday. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that was, that was exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm halfway there. Um, but the family's good, you know, I'm good. I've been watching some TV. Uh, I've been watching a lot of movies, actually, a lot of movies. Okay. Um, that's kind of what I've been doing with my spare time, um, which is, is limited, but I've decided rather than, you know, scroll the internet for two hours or play a video game or whatever, that I'm going to go through this backlog of movies that I have, which is quite extensive, and so I've, yeah, I, I went through maybe about 11 movies last week, um, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've been watching mostly older things, um, you know, things from like the, the 30s and 40s, um, stuff that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. Um, one of the newer ones that I watched, which definitely fits into the sort of the science fiction uh, bent of this podcast, was the David Bowie film The Man Who Fell to Earth. Which I had seen a piece of probably about twenty years ago, and I decided finally that I was going to watch it. Um, the 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 label that releases the the Blu-rays Criterion um, they released a Blu-ray of this some years back. It was actually one of their first uh, Blu-rays, uh, and it fell out of print, and so it's pretty hard to come by. Uh, a little expensive. Um, but I have a copy. Uh, I've had a copy, so I, I decided I should finally watch it um, <laughs> and uh, sat down and did that. It's a very interesting film. Very interesting film. I'm not sure if that makes it good. Um, it's just... <laughs> it, At least you weren't bored. It, it, <laughs> yeah. It's hard. To, no, I definitely wasn't bored. It's yeah. a hard-to-describe film because the narrative is... Um, it's not that it's not a linear narrative, but it is not a conventional narrative by any means. Um, and it, the the funny thing is, which actually kind of plays into an earlier discussion we had, is that it's based on a novel written by Walter Tevis, who's actually the same man who wrote The Queen's Gambit. Um, and, and it's just kind of another example of his... Uh, I, I think his uh, his spread because he he you know covered so many uh, topics. But the interesting thing is is that one of the thematic elements that links both of them uh, is the main character's struggle with alcoholism, um, and it's fascinating the way that he uses it because David Bowie plays an alien who's come to Earth and he's you know seeking to uh, basically bring back water from Earth because his planet has been suffering a drought and it's killed millions of people. And uh, he comes to Earth to kind of do this and uh, picks up a drinking habit along the way. And it kind of, you know, sidetracks his entire mission. It's really, it's, it's it, like I said, the story itself is very fascinating. The film uh, is, is an interesting thing. Um, but I, I did like it. it. It's just not, like I said, most conventional. So... Um, yeah, but uh, what about you? How are things with you? Uh, things are good. So uh, we are scheduled for our first shots on Wednesday, Betsy and me. Thank you for the tip, uh, sliding in the North Shore. Of course, now we're, we're, we're getting like, like text messages like from different places. That, hey, now you're eligible. Like, go, go here, go here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning. Um, how, how have your side effects been? Have they been existent so at I, all? I had obviously had the very sore arm. Um, it's uh, a bit like, you know, tetanus shot. Um, although with a tetanus shot, I always felt that the soreness was concentrated kind of in that area, that shoulder area and bicep area. Um, this was interesting because it was like all the way up and down my arm, pretty much from like my thumb all the way up to like my clavicle. I, I had soreness and pain. 
Um, and I definitely felt a little, a little out of it. Like just the smallest inkling of what it feels like right when you're starting to get sick, like come down with something, you know, that feeling where you start to feel like just you're a little out of it. Maybe you got a little bit of that brain fog, a little bit of exhaustion. Uh, that's what I started to feel, but it went away pretty quickly and it never got any worse. Okay. Did you have COVID? I can't remember. No, I never had. I never had. Ah, okay. I've been told that it uh, it affects people who have had it worse. So, uh, so it's going to be interesting. Um, Yeah. uh, A lot of people in my immediate family had it about a month ago, and the second shot really packed a wallop for all of them. Mm, Um, mm. So I'm kind of preparing that for both first shot and second shot. Uh, But that's funny you mention that because the doctor that I spoke to today mentioned that too. Say what? Oh, sorry. I was saying that the doctor, I spoke to a doctor today, uh, and he mentioned that uh, people that had been exposed to COVID often had um, a worse reaction, you know, to the, to the shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but yeah. it's also a day. It's a day. It's you a day. kind of feel like, and at least you know what it is. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll lay up. I'll watch some TV. It'll be fine. Um, uh, I, I won't go into as much detail because... Uh, not ready to put a lot about there. Uh, Betsy has a new job that she starts next week, so that's an exciting new adventure uh, yeah. for us. Uh, something that I uh, I kind of told I didn't tell you the the thing about her new job is that they have offices in Chicago, and when they reopen the offices, she can work there if she wants, or if she wants to work remotely, permanently, she can do that too. Um, so that really kind of opens us up, like where we want to go. Barbs, yeah. somewhere else, we don't know. Um, so that's uh, that's been an exciting time here uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I told you <clears throat> we uh, we all had a bit of stomach flu last week in the yeah. house. Oh. Uh, luckily, it, it hit the four of us. Uh, Betsy, me, and our two kids. It hit the four of us a little bit spread out, so we didn't get it all at once. Um, yeah. Eleanor, our youngest, she did have to spend the night in the hospital, um, which, which sounds really drastic, but she was severely dehydrated. She couldn't keep any fluids down. And by the time she got cleared to go home, it was like 11 o'clock at night. It was like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they just kept her overnight for observation, and it worked out. And then Harrison had it, and then both me and Betsy had it on Sunday, and it was it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. It's something that Jess and I have spoken about recently, and uh, mentioned it today uh, to the doctor. But uh, you know, we've been very lucky because none of us have been sick for basically over a year <laughs> because of all of the the restrictions and you know heightened awareness, the quarantine, and the mask wearing. Yeah. Uh, we just have not been exposed to anything the way that we normally would have. Um, and, and we've been very lucky when it comes to food, uh, because we haven't had any sort of like, you know, a touch of food poisoning or anything like that, that, that might sometimes happen. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of remarkable that there's been no illnesses in the house, uh, knock on wood. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that it, you know, continues to trend that way, even after things start to open up that we've kind of, you know, picked up some, some better habits maybe over this past year. Um, Oh, I yeah, you, I was we, I was yeah, really sorry to hear that. Yeah, when we go out again, um, uh, crowded public places, I'm definitely still going to wear a mask. I, I think, uh, just yeah, it just makes yeah. sense. It just makes sense at this point. I'm so I'm going to go back out to eat. Uh, I'm 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 ready. I'm 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 starting to really hit the point of missing going out out to eat. So I'm ready for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I did get to do one thing, actually. I was I was mistaken this past weekend um, that uh, I had not done in over a year. Um, the last film that I saw in theaters was Little Women with Jessica, which I think was a masterpiece. I think it's just a beautiful, wonderful, fantastic film. But on Saturday, a dear friend of mine, he was actually one of the groomsmen in my wedding, he and his husband rented out uh, the Davis Theater here in Chicago for a screening of Godzilla vs. Kong. And there were eight <laughs> yes. of us. 
there were there were eight of us in the theater. We were masked uh, for 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 the most part. You know, some people took their masks off to have a little popcorn or you sure. know, have a drink or something like that. But um, yeah, we were all spread out, uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun to see a movie in a theater again. And in in a lot of ways, it was the perfect film to see in a theater. I've already decided if I can slip out and go to a movie while it's still in the theater, that's the first movie I want to see in the theater (laughs) when I go back. Because it's like, I I was talking to friends about it the other day. I I didn't mean to, but I have seen every Godzilla movie in the theater that's come out since, hang on just one second. Got a, got, a, got a little kiddo. Come on in, kiddo. Come here. Yeah, I saw the door opening slowly yeah. behind you, and it was it was like it's like almost something out of a horror film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he's just coming in to say hello. He's a little he's a little hungry. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, but yes, no I have worries. seen I have seen every Godzilla movie in the theater since the the horrible Matthew Broderick one back in '98. Or, or wow. whatever it was. Uh, so that one, uh, the Godzilla one in 2014, and uh, the last one that just came out. The funny one about 2014 is I went to see that. Uh, a couple of my buddies took me out to Vegas for, for a bachelor-like weekend before mm. Betsy and I got married. And I love my friends. I could say that because they don't listen to this podcast. So I can just say this and, and whatever. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful friends. I love them. I love them, and we're, we're all hitting 40 now, but I, I used to say like seven years ago when this happened that uh, they're, they're wonderful people, but they are in their mid-30s going on 50. Um, <laughs> we, we did not get too wild out in Vegas. So one afternoon, we found ourselves going to the outskirts of Vegas, and we watched Godzilla. I don't know if you saw that version of Godzilla, but Godzilla levels a section of the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, in the movie, and so we watched it. And it was like, ah, yeah, well, we're dead. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <coughs> I've seen all of the the you know the monster verse films, which mm. include Godzilla, uh, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and now Godzilla vs Kong. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because I think Kong Skull Island is probably the best of the bunch. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're all fun in different ways. Here's the thing. Is, is this movie going to make no sense because I haven't seen Kong Skull Island? Uh, no. The, the, you know, one of the things that I'll say about all four of the films... I'm being facetious. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, see, I couldn't pick up on it because I watched, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong, so my, yeah. my sarcasm detector is off now, but... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, they're all four of them are pretty easily accessible. It's mostly just at this point, it's mostly just like Easter eggs. It's not like you're getting the MCU or anything, you know? (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the last movie I saw in theater before all this started, uh, was The Last Jedi, which was, Mm. eh, you know, uh, I'm a casual fan. So, you know, the movie, it was okay for me, but I understand why a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool. That's awesome. We've talked about running out of theater or doing something like that, but. But haven't yeah. just yet. Uh, that's all fun. But yeah, we've been watching a lot of TV. Uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we want to talk about uh, a little bit here. Uh, just Killing Time, when I don't want to concentrate on anything. I've been watching a lot of Fullus, Penn and Teller's Fullus. Have you mm, ever seen okay, that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not. I am aware of it, but I've not seen it. Uh, or like the premise of the show? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, it, listeners, to be, so the basic premise of the show is. Uh, Amateur to professional magicians, like like they have like some like well established magicians come on the show, like uh, like an established magician based out of uh, Chicago here, Dennis Watkins. Um, hmm. He's been on the show. They come on the show, they perform a, a magic trick or an illusion for Penn and Teller, um, and uh, Penn and Teller watch, and they will tell them in code whether or not they figured out the trick. Uh, and they and they do it in such a way, like they they talk in magicians' lingo, that they can tell them, but they don't tell the audience. Uh, and if they can't figure out how to do it, they will literally just write it down, and one of them will walk up to the stage and show it to them. Um, um, and if they don't fool them, or if they do fool them, then they get to go out and be the opening act, sometime for Penn and Teller's live show in Rio. Nice. Uh, so if you're a fan of magic at all, um, it's actually, it's, it's a really fun show. Yeah. Watch. 
Uh, That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, driving Betsy crazy with it because uh, it's very Vegasy, and she is not a Vegas person at all. <laughs> uh, but I... Uh, but yeah, I've watched, uh, I watched the first three episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You've only seen the first two. Yes, uh, I'm a little bit behind. Um, this weekend was a little crazier than, than I anticipated. Uh, and, and Jessica and I have been watching it together. So, you know, carving out time when we watch TV together is, uh, we, we get, uh, a finite amount to say the least. But, um, yeah, first, first two episodes, um, I, you know, my initial impressions, um, have been very positive. Uh, I really, really like it. Uh, I am, am in almost, I, I am almost ready to say that I think overall, uh, it could be not that it's fair to compare in a lot of ways, but it could be stronger than WandaVision. Um, I think that the more I think about WandaVision, uh, especially with the way that it ended, the early episodes, which were so creative and interesting, end up feeling very gimmicky because of where the show wound up. Uh, whereas I think Falcon and Winter Soldier knows exactly what it is, what it wants to be, and it's doing exactly what it needs to do to do that. And it's telling a really great story with some wonderful, very present you know, themes contemporary themes, um, including obviously racism, um, being, you know, a huge part of it. Uh, but I think it's also a, a perfect successor to the Captain America films specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, you could easily make the argument that in a lot of ways, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is, you know, the true sequel to the Winter Soldier and Civil War films that we never really got because obviously Captain America's story got derailed. I, I, I mean, the, I don't mean derailed in a bad way, but just in the narrative, his story was derailed by Thanos and Infinity sure. War and Endgame, you know, and, and I think that had that not happened, that what we're seeing with, with Falcon and Winter Soldier is probably where that story would have gone. So based off the first two episodes, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm completely sold, completely on board. I love the dynamic between the two of them. I think they're, they're just fantastic. And I, and I love the, you know, the things that they're exploring, um, outside of, uh, you know, kind of the, maybe the bigger cosmic, you know, super powered kind of, uh, realm that, that, you know, was really the, the, the wheelhouse of those, later MCU films. Yeah. Um, and it's very much more in the spirit of like a winter soldier or civil war. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't think I'm ready yet to make a comparison between it and WandaVision. Can I, I want to see the whole thing. Um, I, I do love what the universe is doing with post blip and how they're handling that. Like, like even yeah. like, the, like the touching in on, on the, uh, the, the racism aspect and like in the first, in the first episode, if you haven't seen it yet, not to give a huge spoiler, um, um, Sam and his sister, am I getting the characters' names right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Sam and his sister go to the bank to get a loan for her struggling business. And it's struggling in part because both her and Sam were blipped out. And they've been out for like five years and like coming back and like trying to get that rebuilt. And so they go to the scene, they go to the bank to try to get a loan. And the, the banker is white. Uh, it's not an exact one-to-one, but as Quantum Leap fans, I had a huge uh, uh, echo of, of the scene where, where, where Sam and his granddaughter go to the bank to get a loan and pull Hall Blues. Pull Hall Blues, yeah, yeah totally. Like that. totally. Ex- except the banker in this case is white. Uh, and one, the banker is incredulous that the Avengers don't have like an Avenger fund of money you know, that they can tap right. into. So why is this guy uh. here? Um, and, and yeah, and this whole thing of like they're not giving out like loans are restricted because everybody coming back after the blip is needing money and it's very difficult. And, um, so yeah, between, between that and there's another scene in the first episode where, uh, Sam and what's the winter soldier's name outside of being the winter soldier. Uh, Oh, uh, Bucky, Bucky, that Bucky. That's right. James Uh, Buchanan Barnes. Yes. Uh, they're having an argument in the street and two cops pull up and they just assume that Sam is the one who's being the aggressor in it. And they almost arrest him until they, figure out that he's an Avenger. Um, right. But, <coughs> excuse me, on the whole, I do uh, I do appreciate how they are handling the world 
post-Blip between both that and WandaVision, like how they yeah. are. Uh, because after Endgame, I was kind of like, fuck, how are they going to handle this Like this world now? The, um, the, the way that Endgame handled it in a few brief scenes towards the beginning of the film, in particular the, you know, the, the, the group sort of therapy scene with Captain America, and then the scenes with um, Black Widow, and, and, and the difficulties, obviously, that she's having, you know, those, those two scenes in particular, I think really gave you a great idea of what was happening when everybody was gone. But you're right, the way that they've explored the, the post-Blip world in, in both Spider-Man Far From Home and now these two television series, I think has been just wonderful. Yeah, it's, and then, then, yeah, it's especially like the latter. I was like, oh, well, like, how do they deal with all these people, like, coming back after five years? And just, blah, 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 blah. uh, so yeah, I appreciate how they're doing it. And especially jumping into the first episode, I was surprised, because I don't know why, I was under the assumption that this, that this was a prequel, that it took place mm. sometime earlier, like maybe like, like like between uh, Age of Ultron and Civil War. Okay. Uh, so we're like, oh, we're post-blip. Okay. Game on. Cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, and, I, and I love the fact that there is a basically a terrorist organization that is, is set on trying to return the world back what it was before everybody came back. Yeah. Because uh, I could totally see that. Right. That happening. Uh, I like the introduction. Uh, what's the the new Captain America? John Walker. John Walker. Yeah. Is it just like was the like at the end of the first episode when he shows up? Was it the camera angle like, like like John Walker? Like he's a buff guy. Like he's a soldier. Like he's you know whatever. But there's something about his jawline when he's wearing the mask. He totally looks different. Like yeah. Like you expect to see. I, I don't know how to say it. Like. Like a, a, a pre-Super Serum Steve Rogers. Sure. Underneath the mask. I'm like, oh, they're going somewhere. And then, yeah, then it turns out like, oh, no, no, no. Like, he's an actual, like, he's not a super soldier, but he is a soldier. Right. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt Russell, uh, first of all, you know, Kurt Russell's son. Uh, ah, which I, I, yes. Yeah, which I think is, uh, well, and Goldie Hawn's son, for that matter, as well. Um, y- you know, it's funny because uh, when I first saw that, that promo picture of him that, that was the end of, of the first episode, I was kind of like, that's not him. That doesn't look like him. Uh, but, it, but it is, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the interesting thing about him is that he was a, um, a professional hockey player, uh, or, or that's what he was going to be, rather. Um, he uh, he was ranked very highly, rated very highly, but unfortunately injuries kept him from, from you know, getting too far, um, which is really too bad because that had been his, you know, his passion. But, uh, yeah, he... Uh, it isn't. It is. It is a weird. I agree. There's something about that camera angle, and maybe they did it on purpose to kind of make him look, uh, you know, a little out of place. Like Weavish? he's not. Yeah. Supposed, I mean. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Uh, but you know, all that said, uh, I, I think that in the second episode, and, and you know, with, without having gone further than that, I can't comment. But in the second episode, I really, really, really like the direction that they took the character, and I really like what he does with the character. I think it's. I think it's really well done because it's. It, it you know it it sets him up to have a somewhat antagonistic relationship with Sam and Bucky without making him a villain sure. or a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's clearly a good person trying to do his best, and he just happens to be very very good at what he does. The really wonderful thing is, and it's something that um, I can't remember exactly where it was touched upon or where I heard it, but the but the fun thing about it is he's everything that the original scientist in Captain America First Avenger said that Captain America shouldn't be. Yeah. And I love that, you know. I just love it. Although he does have the thing about, like, you know, he did jump on a grenade once. Oh, yes, yeah. (laughs) Actually, yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I I love The third episode, I watched it. I kind of half-watched it. Uh, I want to go back and give it another shot because it it didn't... It was a little lackluster. It kind of lost me a little bit. Um, I, I, I think it's still like, and this is true of the first couple episodes, I think the third season, like they really struggle with having this very, um, 
uh, real world violence that's a little bit beyond what you normally see in an MCU movie, uh, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and and kind of having that hand in hand with kind of like the like the buddy soldier like the buddy cop dialogue between Sam and Bucky. Sometimes it just takes me, you know, it just takes me out of it. You know, mm. uh, like like in the third episode, there's uh, there's a, a a minor character who is who, who is killed, like shot, point blank rage, killed, dead, and a couple minutes later, Sam and Bucky are making, you know, quips to each other, mm. and it's just like ah, uh, this doesn't, yeah, it kind of hits me kind of weird. Uh, sure, but uh, I'll go back and I'll give it another shot and see. But yeah, I'm enjoying. It. I, I feel like this is kind of a little bit more of like adult MCU. Yeah, between Wandavision and this show, like whereas Wandavision took some very you know like grown up themes of like grief and loss and things like that, uh, and you know this one too is like you know grief and loss. Like the first episode, like Bucky's entire storyline and yeah. figuring out like why he is hanging out, uh, why he's hanging out with this older gentleman, and what his real motivation is. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and this one's only six episodes. I think. Is that right? Yeah, it's okay. only going to be six episodes, and my my guess is, my prediction is, is this is bridging to the next movie. I really do think that by the by the end of the series, if Sam is not Captain America, they are setting him up to be Captain America by the time his character comes around another one of the Avenger movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he 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 absolutely should be, and I think it's wonderful the fact that you know he is the one that like gave the shield back that he's the one that was kind of like, you know, I, you know, this is, this isn't meant for me. Um, and it's, and it's funny because one of the things that, that I have felt about this series from the beginning, uh, in no small part, obviously because of those scenes with him in the shield, but, uh, the presence of Steve Rogers, the character of Steve Rogers in this show looms so large over oh, the yeah. proceedings. Mm-hmm. You know, he is as much a character in this show, even unseen as, you know, Sam or Bucky or John Walker or, you know, anyone else. Uh, and I, and I love that. I, I, I think that that is just high quality writing, high quality acting. I think that that's, you know, when you're able to, you know, again, have a character, present feel present when they're not on screen um it's an achievement as far as i'm concerned uh i also think that some of the you know just some of the ways that um well the in the first episode the scene between don Cheadle and anthony mackie Mm -hmm. you know two two black actors two two uh characters black characters who are uh in the military who are heroes you know superheroes basically having this very real conversation about you know basically about what it means not explicitly but basically about what it means to be an american i think is a, a wonderful thing mm-hmm. to to see um and again it, it, the way that this show and wandavision for that matter um, have really started to kind of tackle issues that are so relatable. And I, I think, honestly, it, other than the Spider-Man movies, I don't know that that's something... I mean, yes, some broad themes, of course, kind of coming-of-age type things and accepting responsibility, sure. But but the other films are basically just, you know, kind of popcorn superhero fare. Oh, and sure. there's some deeper meaning here and there. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, dealt with some themes of loss and grief too but 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 yeah i agree with what you said about the adult kind of the the mature uh more emotional and intellectual um bent of these shows compared to the the mcu at large um i don't think that these are shows that are made uh to necessarily to be enjoyed in the same way that some of the mcu movies are made to be enjoyed and i really appreciate that yeah so I'm looking forward to see uh, see what they do, see where it goes. Yeah, uh, me looking too. forward to Loki. Saw a trailer for that for the first time today. Um, if, if you haven't seen a trailer for it, basically the premise is that Loki, when he steals the Tesseract in the, in the one sequence in Endgame, uh, and he zaps out, basically this creates a problem with with timeline and multiple timelines. So Owen Wilson recruits him to basically he's going to be jumping around in time and through multiple timelines, fixing history fixing time 
Right. Basically. Uh, it doesn't look like it, it's not a like a time travel quantum leap put right what once went wrong, jumping into situations kind of thing. Like I really think it's gonna be more in the bent of kind of more like Doctor Who to use it as an excuse to go to like <laughs> these different worlds at different time periods and so so yeah, I am I am looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. You know, one thing that um uh, that I was thinking about earlier that that'll be really interesting uh, about this show as well and about the character of Loki and it'll be interesting to see what Tom Hiddleston, you know, the the actor does with the role is that this is a Loki who has not yet redeemed himself. This is a Loki who has not yet, you know, become Thor's brother and Odin's son. This is the Loki that is still the bad guy. That this is, an is the Loki. Point. Yes. You know. Yeah. This is not the Loki who sacrifices himself to protect, you know, the 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 Infinity Stone and everything yeah. in in Infinity War at the beginning of Infinity War. Yeah. So I think it'll be really really interesting to see how that plays into. Um, his, you know, his time traveling and yeah. his, uh, uh, his future, basically. Yeah. That's a wonderful point. I hadn't thought about that. No. Yeah. Cool. And that, uh, that debuts in June. So, yeah. 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 The, the, the rollout, you know, it's funny cause the rollout is pretty, pretty tight as far as, you know, getting from one series to the next series. Uh, I think they're leaving a, uh, a bit of a gap between Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki because there's going to be some new Star Wars stuff that drops oh, around sure. that time. I believe the Bad Batch cartoon, okay, um, Makes sense. Um, which is kind of a continuation of a storyline from the Clone Wars cartoon, okay. uh, will be dropping in May, which makes sense because you know May the fourth. Uh, but then after Loki, um, I think we're getting the Hawkeye show. Um, oh, are we? We yeah, with Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld's nice. going to be the new the new Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Um, the yeah, movie is going to finally come out. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so wild. I mean, that movie's over a year old, basically at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the way that they're setting everything up, uh, you know, is is great, and and the way that they're able to use these shows, and and you know, it's funny because one thing that too that I would certainly say about WandaVision and about Falcon Winter Soldier is that as much as they are episodes of television they certainly feel more like a longer narrative just you know strung out between so it feels almost more like a movie like you could consume this all in one sitting and be watching you know a six-hour film Mm -hmm. as opposed to um sure you know an an, an eight nine episode tv show or whatever yeah speaking of six-hour films oh boy do you have any interest at all or have you watched Zack snyder's justice league yes i have What's the verdict? I mean, it's better. It's definitely better. Um, it serves the characters better in a lot of ways, but it still it still feels it still feels like a lot of unearned moments. It feels like a lot of things happening that are supposed to be big and meaningful because that's the way that they're shot. Um, that, that don't, that don't even come close to anything that we got in infinity war or end game, you know, and that's the type of feeling that they're clearly going for over a lot of of this film. And it does, and it just does not work. Um, what does work, I think are the characterizations of the flash in particular, Ezra Miller, um, gets a lot more to do in the film and, um, his added scenes are wonderful. Uh, Aquaman's added scenes are wonderful. He gets a, an extended scene with Batman at the beginning of the movie that's diff- very different from from the Joss Whedon version that I love, and I love him in it. Um, a lot of people are raving about the Cyborg stuff and the Ray Fisher stuff. It's definitely, it's not bad at all, and it's far better than what we got before. But again, some of it just feels... I don't know. He feels very wooden for a lot of it, to be completely frank. Um, and the relationship with his father is, is interesting, but full spoiler mode here. So fast forward 15 seconds. If you don't want to hear this, uh, his father sacrifices himself 
And you get the idea that this is supposed to be like a big moment and be the impetus for Cyborg, like really kind of taking off and engaging, you know, becoming a hero. But it just feels so forced. Mm. Like it, it, it did nothing for me. Ah, uh, is it kind of like uh, Kevin Costner sacrificing himself? And, yep. Oh God! Even uh, here's the thing: like when I watch a movie, especially a movie in a theater, I am totally sucked in at the moment. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh man, that moment really didn't land, or that moment was really cheesy. When I see how damn cheesy the moment is in the theater as it's happening. It has to be bad. Yeah. And the Kevin Cosner moment in Man of Steel, off, oh, off. Oh, fuck you, Kevin Cosner. I don't even like Kevin Cosner anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, the the thing that's that, that kind of fascinates me about the whole, you know, Snyder cut and Snyderverse and, and everything that's spun out of it, it is I think that even though it seems like Warner Brothers is not really necessarily listening or whatever, the fact that something like this could even happen at all sure. is actually very encouraging to yeah. me and should be encouraging to filmmakers and audiences across the board because it says that, you know, we, we live in an age where entertainment can almost be customizable, you know, like the, the idea that, you know, this is the director you want and this is the story you want told. We're going to give it to you. Um, the post sort of not credit scene really, but I guess post credit scene, uh, that they did the reshoots for, um, that have Jared Leto's Joker in it. Um, is it's, it's interesting. It's very atmospheric. Um, if you told me tomorrow I was going to get a Ben Affleck, Jared Leto, Batman, Joker movie, I would say, where do I fucking sign up? Because their chemistry is through the roof incredible, and the scene between the two of them is astoundingly good. See, here's the thing. Ben and Ben Affleck gets so much hate as Batman and in general. He is my favorite Batman. If you watch Batman versus Superman... In that in that mess, there is a good Batman movie in there. Yeah, and the, and the thing I like, one, it's not just his characterization, but where Batman is at that point. It's that, right. It's like we get the first version of Batman in, in the movie where, like, he's just it's it's really out of the comic books. Like he like he's been doing this for a while. He's tired. He's just done with this shit. He's just jaded, and that's what I really appreciated about. Batman in Batman versus Superman. Um, yeah, I was really excited when, for a while, there was going to be like a standalone Affleck Batman. Yeah, um, yeah. I would. I, I'm not a huge fan of Zack Snyder's style, but I would go see that movie. Yeah, and that is one thing too that I will say is that sometimes his style absolutely gets in the way of my enjoyment of, of a film. Um, the, you know, kind of the, the slow motion action, the, the thing too, that's, that's kind of mind boggling is that the slow motion that he uses in action scenes completely undercuts the special effects that they use for the flash. Because one of the things that they do so brilliantly with the flash is that, you know, when he's moving fast, everything else around him is kind of at a standstill or in slow motion. So like this, all of the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's every action scene. Um, so it, 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 yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of his of his visual style, and I do think that sometimes, um, you know, I see people kind of go nuts over certain things. Like, there's this moment where Superman, you know, goes up uh, so that he can kind of soak in the sun, which is very similar to a scene in, in Superman Returns, actually. And people go crazy, like, you know, talking about how it, how it's, you know, this amazing shot and, you know, the, the, the sort of the Christ-like overtones and, and, and all this sort of shit. And I'm just sort of like, it, it's just, it's nothing special. Yeah. Like, it's nothing special. It's not biblical. It's not epic. It's not, you know, I've definitely seen better. I've seen better in Superman movies before, you know. And, it, and so it's kind of surprising to me the way that people go crazy for some of this stuff. Uh, oh, I almost left it out. I can't believe I did because I'm a huge Superman fan, but Henry Cavill is, 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 is fantastic. There's a scene between um, Henry Cavill and, uh, well, Superman Lois and his mother in, in, outside of the, the farm that is probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen 
Zack Snyder do, quite frankly. I think it's just yeah. perfect. Um, it's lovely, wonderfully shot, wonderfully realized. And it was, and it, and to me, it was the only emotional moment of the film in a lot of ways that, that got me like that, that did actually kind of get me a little choked up. Um, but I think that again, that, you know, the, the biggest issue that I have with all of these, you know, the man of steel, Batman vs Superman justice league is that it just, again, so many of these big moments don't feel earned because they tried to rush everything in my opinion. And, 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 and they would have been so much better served to take their time. You know, we should have had a, we should have had a super, two Superman movies, uh, at least one Batman movie, one Wonder Woman movie, you know, uh, uh, maybe even an Aquaman movie under our belts before we got the, a Justice League movie. And that all should happen before Batman vs. Superman happened, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. You know, and, and, and so it's like what, what we could have, what should have been done in my opinion in like six films to get to this justice league movie they did in two movies. And so it's just hard for me to really like, yeah, I don't know. I've talked too much about it already. (laughs) Uh, I, I I probably won't see it anytime in the near future. I certainly am not going to dedicate four hours at one time to my life to it. Um, sure. I'm not a fan of Snyder's style, but what a gift to the fans for people who are. That is that is wonderful. That is awesome. I can totally see why people are excited and and jazzed about it. So that's yeah. Cool. Kind of reminds me uh, on a much smaller scale. It was Warner Brothers who did it too. Like back in two thousand six, they released the director's cut of Superman two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Donner cut. Yeah. Uh, have you have you seen the Donner cut? Oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I own it. Man. Uh, I used to own it. Yeah, I used to own it at one point, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's just really fascinating and wonderful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I know there's a big call right now to restore the Snyderverse and you know uh, put things back on track. I, I probably won't watch the movies, but 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 go. I hope it happens. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, I think that the thing that that uh, is so odd to me is that they canceled a bunch of films um, yesterday or day before yesterday. Um, they canceled the New Gods film, which uh, Ava DuVernay was working on, which I thought was a shame because I know she had been really excited about it. Um, she'd been working with uh, Tom King, who's a wonderful comic book writer. Uh, and actually, oddly enough, before he was a comic book writer, he was in, he was involved with the CIA and the military in Afghanistan. Um, and he wrote a comic book series kind of based on his experience uh, over there called The Sheriff of Babylon. But he also wrote um, the Vision series that, that WandaVision drew a lot from. He wrote a series called Miracle Man, which uh, the, the New Gods movie was going to draw a lot from. So just a wonderful, wonderful writer. And he and Ava DuVernay, I guess, had, had a really wonderful working relationship, and they both expressed how sad they were, and in particular that they weren't going to be able to kind of realize what they'd been working on together. Um, they canceled a few other films as well. Uh, um, it, like, at this point, it looks like the only films they're really going forward with are the, the Shazam sequel, the Black Adam movie, which is the one with the rocks in, um, and then uh, the Flash movie at this particular point in time is still a go, but who knows what's going to happen. Um, there's still talk of them doing a Gotham PD um, show on HBO Max and a Green Lantern show on HBO Max. Uh, there's been a lot of fan support for doing a Deathstroke show on HBO Max. Um, I know the actor who played Deathstroke was really hoping to do that. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, you're right. I mean, as, as far for the fans, I'm, I'm glad that they got it. And I would not necessarily count myself among them. But at the same time, uh, I, I there are parts of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, the ultimate cut, not the not the theatrical cut, but the ultimate cut that I really, truly enjoy. Um, I think the ultimate cut of Batman vs. Superman has some of my favorite portrayals of Clark Kent ever honestly. Uh, and I love Christopher Reeve. Like, I mean, those, those first two Superman movies by Richard Donner with Christopher Reeve is like, I mean, that's, that's crack to me. I can watch those every day, all day. But, uh, but there's some really wonderful Clark Kent stuff in, in Batman vs Superman, uh, the ultimate cut. Um, to me though, my favorite Zack Snyder film is his Watchmen adaptation. And I think he benefits so well from the fact that he basically just shot 
the comic book, you sure. know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the thing that his weakness is that when he doesn't have something so specific to draw from, like he did with 300 and he did with uh, Watchmen, he just gets a little in the weeds. And I think that happened in Man of Steel. I think it happened with Batman vs Superman. And I think it happens with Justice League. Yeah. Hmm. Last question. Probably should move on to, to wrap this up. Uh, in this director's cut, do they fix the, the Superman mustache upper lip? issue. Well, here's the beautiful thing about that, my friend. They don't have to fix it because they don't use any of that footage that was reshot by uh, uh, Joss Whedon. In fact, there are no Joss Whedon shots in the entire movie. Everything is all Zack Snyder. Um, And so everything with Henry Cavill is the stuff that he originally shot. The crazy thing is, is that there are some scenes that are almost exactly the same. Like, literally almost exactly the same but there's a little bit of dialogue that's different or the lighting's a little different. And it told me two things about Joss Whedon, which we have kind of already figured out with all the shit that's come out about him. Yeah. That dude loves power because in my mind, the only reason to reshoot some of the shit that he reshot was to say that he did it. Yeah. I did it. I, I wrote that line. I shot that. That's my movie, you know? And it's like, ugh. Yeah. And it pains me because I grew up on Buffy I know. and Angel yeah. what a fall and Firefly race, you know, right? and, you know, yeah. So anyway, oh, one thing I do want to talk about real quick before we wrap up, uh, Jess and I, uh, in our neglect of Falcon and Winter Soldier episode three, started watching the morning show on Apple TV plus, uh, with okay. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Billy Crudup, Steve Car- uh, Carell. Uh, it's really good. The first episode, I was, you know, I was kind of on the fence. I felt like it was, it it was the type of, you know, first episode for a TV show that felt a little standard, you know. There wasn't anything that really elevated it other than maybe the performances, in particular of Reese Witherspoon. She's very, very good in the show. But as it's gone on, I think we're like four or five episodes in now. Uh, by the time we hit the fourth episode, we were just sort of like, I, we can't stop watching. I would watch every episode right now if it wasn't, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Um, it's, you know, not based on, but draws heavily from Matt Lauer in, in his fall from grace, Steve Carell's character is an analog for Matt Lauer. Um, and, but Reese Witherspoon is phenomenal. Billy Crudup is absolutely phenomenal sensational. He is so good. He won an Emmy, actually. He won the Emmy for, uh, I think the third episode was what he won the Emmy for. Um, and I, I've loved him since inventing the Abbots. Uh, of course he played the guitarist Russell Hammond in Almost Famous, uh, amongst other roles. He was also the original Katurian on Broadway for The Pillow Man, um, which is one of my favorite plays. And, uh, just, I mean, he's a phenomenal actor anyway. Um, might not always be a huge fan of his personal life, um, but, uh, yeah. you know, he's never, he's never done anything. He's never done anything, you know, horrible that would, yeah. that would make somebody, you know, want to cancel him or anything. But, uh, yeah. I, I do think we'll he might've made some, some, some questionable choices anyway. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we've really been enjoying it. I, I, I just, I really love, uh, it's exploration in particular of kind of the me too moment and the fallout and the fact that, uh, it's, it's layered and nuanced and it's exactly kind of, I think what I was looking for, um, to address this because it, it, it does tackle some hard questions, including how do you, how do you view someone that you've worked with for 15 years that, that has done this? How do you live with the fact that you enabled them? How do you live with the fact that you were aware that this was going on, but you didn't think it was a problem because we're all consenting adults here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's really, really interesting. And there's a scene actually, not to spoil too much, there's a scene where Steve Carell's character, the Matt Lauer analog, has uh, dinner, kind of spends the day with a director, a movie director, who is sort of a, you know, kind of a weird amalgam of Woody Allen and Harvey Weinstein. Like, you can tell that that's kind of what he's supposed to represent. And the conversation that they have over, like, drinks at the end of their dinner or whatever is it's kind of skeevy. Like it skeeves you out. And yet at the same time, it makes you realize that part of 
the conversation that hopefully we will have eventually is that there are there are nuances to this. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can you can put a blanket over all of it and say this is bad behavior and we must fight this bad behavior, but you also have to realize that maybe one person's bad behavior is not the same as another person's bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it any less bad, but it's certainly a question of different, you know? Yeah. And and and, and I, I really appreciate the show for that. So I, I it gets my recommendation for sure. Cool. I'll check it out. Uh, before we yeah. wrap up, uh, we were going to talk about this more extensively, but you got carried away. Like we do. Like we do. Uh, today is first contact day. Ah, oh, shit! I was so excited about that, too! <laughs> uh, uh, we were recording this on first contact day, April 5th. Uh, actual first contact is, ni- is uh, uh, not 2063. Is that the actual first uh, contact year? Is that right? It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty I'm, sure it's 2063. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. yeah, 2063, you got it. Yeah. You but, got it. Uh, yeah, it, it may... I have not watched First Contact in quite a while. It is by far my favorite Star Trek movie. Um, it's not mine. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I it's love probably, about, I'm going to keep it brief. It's, here, here's, what I love about, here's what I love about the movie. I love yeah. that in the first 10 minutes of the movie, the Borg are time-traveling. How? Who knows? Who cares? The Borg are time traveling. And I love how it's just explained like they're watching them go through the Temple Rift and Riker just steps forward. He goes, time travel. And that's all <laughs> the explanation you get. Set a course. Follow them. Warp one again. No explanation. Know how they're doing the time travel. Get in, loser. We're going back to the 21st century. Here we go. Yeah. That's what I love about that movie. So it's probably, I mean, it's probably in my top five. I'm not saying that I don't, that I don't like it. Uh, and I, it's certainly, I can remember very specifically seeing it in theaters mm-hmm. the night that it came out with my buddy Brian, uh, when I was in high school, uh, and just, and just loving it. Um, and, and I, I appreciate it a great deal. Uh, I think, I, I think Wrath of Khan will always be my favorite Star Trek movie. Um, I really like the new ones. I mm-hmm. know that there are a lot of people out there that don't, but I love the first two JJ Abrams one. I really like beyond. I think, you know, the first one is probably my favorite of the three. Uh, and then beyond and into darkness, you know, kind of s- switch places, go back and forth. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot to love about first contact and, um, it's, it's just a fun, fun movie. Uh, a couple of things that, that I wanted to ask you, actually, and, and you know, uh, we will keep it brief, so I won't ask you everything. What's your first memory of Star Trek? Um, watch uh, the old reruns being on TV late at night as we were all getting ready for bed. Like, there's like, be like 86, 87. Like, old reruns of the show. Okay. Um, and then seeing when they first aired... Uh, the Voyage Home on network TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was somewhere around there that I realized, like, oh, Star Trek takes place in the future. Because <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think I thought, like, they, we actually did space travel like they depicted in Star Trek. But it never occurred to me, like, the show took place in the future until, you know, you see them travel back in time. Right. For The Voyage Home. I was like, oh... Oh, that that makes more sense now. Uh, and my first series that I really loved was Next Generation, which is weird. One sure. of the first episodes of Next Generation that I saw all the way through was Conundrum, mm. which is ah, a weird ah. ass episode. Yeah, to watch for the first because I th- uh, what was the, the the guy who inserted himself as first officer? Man, I can't I, remember. I, I can't remember his name. But like him, I was like, oh, yeah, he's a member of the crew, and Riker and uh, and Roe, they're together. All right. Right. That makes right, sense. Right, right. And then, like, at the end of the episode, that all gets upturned. Like, oh, well, I don't know anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, clearly that's not right. But that's, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite captain? Picard. You? Man, I'm going to say Cisco. It's funny because I go back and forth all the time between like Cisco, Picard, and Kirk. You know, I like Kirk a lot. Um, 
some days I'll say Kirk, some days I'll say Cisco. Here's the funny thing. Regardless of if I'm saying Kirk or Cisco, Picard is always second. <laughs> okay, interesting. He's always yeah. He's a solid. So yeah, yeah. Because because I can't because I can't bump Picard down to third place. And I I mean I love Picard. Of course I love Picard. I think that you know he's great. But I, I'm I'm definitely a Cisco guy. I just I just love him. I just love Deep Space Nine so much. Yeah, so much. And I think the first Star Trek I ever saw was 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 Next Generation. It would have been first season Next Generation at my grandparents' house. Um, my grandfather really liked Star Trek. I had a VHS copy of Star Trek V, <laughs> which oh, is probably yeah. the worst Star Trek film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I had seen most of the Star Trek movies. I, I did kind of a marathon with my grandfather, uh, I think after my grandmother died. So this would have been 91, somewhere in through there, maybe 1991. And I, I watched, um... I didn't understand the first one at all the first time I watched it at all. Loved Wrath of Khan, loved Search for Spock, loved Voyage Home. Like those three in a row, I, you know, even to this day, I, I would watch all three of those in a row. Um, what's your favorite TV show? Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, by a long shot. Like that's the one like I've seen, I think I've seen every episode at least once. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I catch one in reruns. Like, oh, I don't know if I've ever seen this episode. Um, yeah, that. Uh, I think Voyager had a pretty good, solid run of shows. Like, I haven't like I binged Voyager for the first time, like twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Um, sure. I really liked what they did with like time travel on that show. Um, I you know the thing that I well, I will always say about Voyager is that Voyager's best episodes always showed the potential of what Voyager could have been had they chosen to just like stick with it like the Year in Hell episodes for instance oh, yeah, or Scorpion yeah. or stuff like that it's like <laughs> this is what it should be all the time mm-hmm. you know and and instead of course they hit the reset button and everything would go back to normal at the end and I always thought that that was that was a mistake sure um, yeah I. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I have a deep love for, for the show. I, I, I pretty much by the time DS9 wrapped, I had seen just about every episode of DS9, Next Generation, and the original series, and I'd seen all of the movies up until that point. Um, I fell off pretty hard, though, through Voyager and Enterprise. Um, I would go back and watch the old stuff, but I sure. just, I was not gonna, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay much attention. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and Enterprise, that is such... Ah, I wanted to love the show so much. Of course, Scott Bakula, you know. Never right, right, exactly. Get, and every time, like, I'll, I'll stumble on an episode that's just really good, uh, and I try to get back into it, but I haven't been able to get into it and, and binge it like I've like I wanted to. Someday, someday. Yeah. And now it looks like uh, Scott Bakula may come back. He may do, like, a weird cameo of Archer in, in Strange New Worlds. That would be interesting. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. So here's some cool stuff. It being Star Trek Day, did you see the news that dropped today? I guess I didn't. So John Delancey is returning in Picard Season 2 as Q, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, The Picard Season 2 teaser that they released is not just like an Easter egg, is literally filled to the brim with DS9 nods. Um, there's a rumor out there, uh, that, that at this point I can only call a rumor. I'm not going to get excited about it at all because I just don't, I don't think it might, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but, but after this teaser, the rumors looking a little stronger that Avery Brooks has been convinced to return as Cisco in Picard season two. Um, and, uh, that would be the best thing in the world for me. I would love every second of that. Because I know he's um, resisted. Has he retired from acting? Basically, he yeah. He, okay. He and so I know, he was. Um, say what? He was teaching. He was teaching That's right. for quite yeah. a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's pretty much just retired wholesale. Uh, yeah. Last I knew. I don't know. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. And I yeah, uh, I'm, I, I like to hear that that John Delancey is is coming back. 
I saw a really great video from the other day, then we'll wrap it up after this, is uh, he was being interviewed and asked if he watched Star Trek growing up. Uh, and he said mm. no. That actually, he watched very little TV growing up because uh, he was dyslexic. And, mm. and so, in kind of a weird thing, like, to encourage more reading, his parents removed the television from the home. So he hmm. went out and he saw a lot of movies, but he watched very little television growing Interesting. up. Interesting. Uh, but I, what, I, what I really liked most about the video is, like, like the way he talks. I've never seen John DeLancey just talk as John DeLancey. Yeah. And, like, he has, like, this, this, like, this such just like this very kind demeanor mm-hmm. to him, like almost like shy and timid um, that I never, that I, I, like I said, I've never seen John DeLancey just talk as himself before. Um, and yeah. every role I've ever seen him play, he's been a bastard. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to that. And I, I'm I, the, the interview that they did for Star Trek day was between John Delancey and Patrick Stewart. And I haven't seen it yet, but I want to go back and watch it uh, and see, you know, just the chemistry between the two of them, because that was one of the things that always sold those episodes in next gen. It's the reason why, quite frankly, I didn't think that Q worked in his appearance in DS nine and never worked as well in Voyager is because mm-hmm. one of the best things about Q on Next Gen was the chemistry he had with Picard slash Patrick Stewart and John Delancey's chemistry. Um, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to the two of them working together uh, again. And um, they also showed a screenshot from Discovery Season uh, uh, 4, four. Um, that uh, the new uniforms, I have seen um, which look yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, And they showed um, a couple other little things. I think... Um, Oh God! What's the uh, the cartoon? Uh, Lower decks. Lower decks. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, they showed like a clip from Lower decks season two. So uh, you know, I, I, I would certainly argue that there's probably no better time to be a fan of Star Trek because there's just so much of it, yeah. um, and uh, there, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Uh, Paramount Plus is is definitely going to deliver the goods when it comes to you know these these new shows. The quality on them is. You know, it's certainly been debatable, but uh, I, 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 you know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be mad at the fact that I, that I got to see, you know, Picard again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Happy first contact day. Happy first contact day. Final question. Best costume. Best uniform. <sighs> I mean, I was about ready to say the DS9 later season ones, but that's basically the first contact uniform. So. I'll say first contact uniform. See, I'm going to say season five TNG, the little uh, suede casual jacket that Picard got to wear on top. That's where Star Trek uniforms peaked. (laughs) Totally. And it's never been that good ever since. That captain's jacket. Okay, so uh, real quick, I know we're wrapping up. I bought a TNG uniform uh, when I was like, 13 or 14. Of course you did. Yeah, that's right. I was single. Uh, and, <laughs> and I, and I had, um, a red command TNG tunic. Um, and I wanted more than anything when I bought that, I wanted to have one of those captain's jackets so bad. Uh, but like the, the tunic I think was like 45 and the captain's jacket was like 120 or something. Cause it was it was actually like, you know, suede or whatever. This is back in like 94, 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted one of those things so bad, but, uh, no, I just went with the regular, the regular tunic. You know, it's out there now. I looked it up recently. That, that jacket yeah. is out there. Uh, yeah. Go, go get, go get you some. I don't know. With my COVID gut, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I hear you slowly. Slowly working on that. Yeah. Slowly working oh on that boy. Right uh, I got you. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you, listeners, for sticking around for that hodgepodge of an episode. Yeah, it's you know it's fun, and and now that kind of not that I ever felt shackled necessarily to our old format when we were reviewing the Quantum Leap episodes, but it's nice to be able to just jump around, talk, and you know, hopefully stay true to the spirit of the show that we've done over the past three and a half years, but just have fun doing new things, talking yeah. about new things. We're doing what we already did, 
We're just not talking about Quantum Leap. That's true. I mean, our Quantum Leap episodes used to go on like two, two and a half hours with like an hour of side chatter. We got about an hour right now. So we just get so, yeah. it. So, so we basically, yeah. <laughs> so we got it. Oh, man. Well, cool. Well, hey, it's always wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to talk you with you. Well. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later, finally, we'll be able to see one another in person. Yeah. Um, we will. We'll have to do, but, yeah, yeah. We'll do a yeah. We'll do a distance stay in the park or, or something like that. Yeah. After, after we all get shotted up here, I'm going to tell Betsy by the way that you're wearing the t-shirt with her logo on it. I am. I am indeed. That's right. Yeah. It's funny. I actually thought of uh, uh, hitting her up and seeing if I, I know she's been so busy lately, so I didn't really want to bother her. But I was thinking about the potential for a different one for, uh, something, for another. Here, I project. mean, this is a good point. This is a good point. Uh, last week, right? Last week at her uh, at her. Job she's leaving and she's just totally checked out. So <laughs> senioritis, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, give it a shot. We'll see, but yeah, well, right cool. On. Well, thank you, listeners. Yep. Take care of yourselves and one another. In the meantime, stay safe out there. Thank you so so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a week or two, or two. Uh, yeah. with with a new episode. Uh, and of course, you know, we've been posting some of the older Quantum Leap episodes uh, up recently, just to revisit. You know some of our favorites, so you know if you're if you're hankering for some of that, feel free to dive in. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone. Yeah, talk to you later. If I'm not there, our hearts may touch